Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thanks so much for listening. This is episode number 142. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. And it's your birthday. This is two weeks in a row. Yeah, that it we're is. Doing last week, yes, last week we recorded on your birthday. This week we're recording on my birthday. Oh, so yeah. The big, I'm the big 3-1 now. That's right. I'm joining the, the 31 club. It's the best club ever. Is it? No, it's not. Instead of birthday jerky, I'm having birthday Pocky. Nice. <laughs> nice. Pocky. Got to think of Pocky for my birthday. That's how you do it. Yep. So this week on the show, we'll be reviewing The Homesman with Tommy Lee Jones and Hilary Swank and the gritty crime thriller Bad Turn Worse. Since we're in a new month, we'll also be adding two new entries in our guilty pleasures list. And of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net. Let's get things started with a brief what we've been watching. Uh, I just want to go over a couple, just a couple things. Well, let's let's go over. Let's tackle. Okay, well, we'll start with you. Did you see anything worth mentioning this week? I saw the guest. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Now, I was really excited for you to see this movie. So, what did you think? I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with this movie. It's 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 not what you expect, is it? With, I mean, to be honest, I really didn't know what to expect. I really had no idea what the hell this movie was about. Oh, so you didn't see any trailers or anything? I didn't see any trailers. Oh, okay. The only thing I knew is that it was a guy who pops up at this family's house, and he isn't what he seems. It's all, that's about all judging I knew. From the tra- Judging from the trailer, I expected it to be uh, one of these thrillers where it turns out that he's like a killer or something and it does get to that but it's completely different tonally than what i expected it's it's going into it it's a lot funnier oh yeah and campy than i was expecting everything is so tongue-in-cheek i mean the fact Mm -hmm. that someone gets stabbed in the chest and gives a thumbs up i I mean yeah it's like (laughs) But it's genuinely funny, though. It's not like it's unintentionally funny. No, 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 no. And and, it, and there's a lot of there's a lot of subtle comedy in it as well. Like the like the the dad who's always <laughs> just getting a drink. He's just I need a drink. That's all. That's his response to everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which I enjoyed him, Leland Urser. Or o- he's great. Urser. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he is in. Great. Um, we I saw him in Faults. He's the main character in Faults. Oh, nice. And he's awesome in that movie. I also in, thoroughly enjoyed um, all of the reactions from Luke's character, played by mm-hmm. Brendan Mar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just the look on his face when yeah. David, with air quotes, would tell, especially the time that he tells him, you know, just go around to their houses and burn, burn them down <laughs> with their families inside. What's the worst that they can do? <laughs> It was it was a badass movie too. Yes. I mean just the way that the, how Adam Weingard used that like thumping electronic score. Oh the, and the soundtrack just, to this movie is fantastic. Yeah. Which is And just the way the way he shot the the <clears throat> bar scene for instance where there's this build up and you know that it shit is going to go down and when it does the payoff is so good and you're like oh my god that's amazing. 
It is fantastic because Dan Stevens' character is such a badass. Yeah, I mean, that character, I mean, he just completely nails that character. It's like, in my review, I think I said it was like if John Carpenter directed Terminator. It's just the that damn smirk that he kept, he kept giving mm-hmm. for everything. But he was funny, too. He was funny, especially towards the end when... You know, it's mm-hmm. the the plot twist or whatever unveils itself, and he just goes into he just has so much fun with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so hamming it up. It's not like he's a complete robot in the movie. He he does show personality. Yeah, it's but it's really bizarre too because for like the last two weeks, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, but the band Front Two Forty Two has been rolling around in my mind for some reason or another. I have no idea why. And then I watch this movie, and it has two of their songs in it. I'm just like, oh, shit, Front 242. That's weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's very weird, but whatever. I loved it. I, it, did, yeah. it fell apart a little bit for me towards the end when the twist well, comes, and it's just, it sort of feels rushed. Yeah, towards towards the end, it... There's kind of a shift, and it almost turns into a slasher movie of sorts. And I feel like I just wanted more of him being a badass with that family. You know, like the the scene at the in the principal's office, and just all of that stuff. I loved, but I would love to see a sequel to this movie. And I don't know if I mean they kind of set it up for one. I don't know if they could pull it off. I don't know what it would be. I just want more of Dan <laughs> Stevens' character. I gotta say, yeah, I don't know what it would be either, but I would be interested in watching it. That I know that for sure. Whatever yeah. it is, count me in. Because I just, I had a shit ton of fun with this movie. Now, after seeing this, are you feeling confident about Simon Barrett and Adam Weingard handling the I Saw the Devil remake? No, I'm, I feel worse about that now. Because I like what these guys are doing, and now here they're going to be sidelined doing a remake for a movie that I've already seen. I want to see more original stuff from these guys. You well, know, thing, you know what I mean. Like I finally yeah. got sold on these two, and I'm like, I want to see what you guys do next. And it's a remake. I don't want a remake. Well, I I agree. I think that they're going to take that story into an interesting direction. Hopefully, I think that they're going to develop their own style with it but the momentum that they have right now i don't think you're going to be waiting too long before they come up with something original i hope so because they've been they've been really cranking cranking it out and cranking out solid stuff too right yeah yep so that's the guest highly recommend that that was when we did our mid-year top 10s that was on my honorable mention list and it may it may creep up on my top 10 because it's just so much fun and original and I, I loved it. I did as well. Uh, one that I didn't love was Dumb and Dumber 2. I saw that this week. What? How do you not love that? Uh, it wasn't that funny, Kevin. Well, I could have told you that. <laughs> it wasn't that funny. Could have told there were There were a couple times that I laughed mostly due to Jim Carrey's performance. I mean, he just fell right back into the role of Lloyd Christmas and 
other than looking older, they both he and Jeff Daniels act the exact same. Yeah. And remember, we were worried about them rehashing the same jokes. And they do that, but all of the jokes that are rehashed, I think, are all just in the trailer. Okay. So there is a lot of, I don't want to say original <laughs> jokes, but there are a lot of jokes in this that aren't in the original movie. I think fans of the original movie will at least be happy with the nostalgia factor. Okay. But 20 years is just, it's too too long. It There's something about this movie that it just lost some of that magic. A lot of the jokes did not land. And in a movie like this, when the jokes don't land, it's very evident. Yeah, it kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah. A lot of... A lot of gross-out stuff. Uh, nothing nothing too egregious. But I will say the most egregious thing in this movie is towards the end, there's a, a cameo from Honey Boo Boo's mom in it. What? And, yeah. What? And that, I, I had a serious <laughs> problem with that. Why? Why? It, it was... I hate it when they do that in movies. And the Fairley brothers did it in Three Stooges, too. They had Jersey Shore cameo. Oh, God. And it's like, it instantly dates your movie. And it's even more ridiculous now that that woman turned out to be dating a child molester or whatever. Jeez. So it's even... <laughs> That's how even as it, it came out this weekend, and it's already dated. Wow. That's, Five uh, years from now, people are not going to know who that woman is. I mean, fortunately... People shouldn't know who that woman is now. Yeah, well, I agree. But fortunately, she's only in it for one little throwaway scene, and it's not a big deal. But for me, that I was like, come on. just mm. the, the plot of the movie is very similar to the original, where it's a road trip comedy. But the script is so poorly written that... The whole thing could have been like the whole premise is that they're driving cross country to go to this big conference so that Harry can meet his daughter who he didn't know he had and deliver this package to her because it turns out that she's really dumb too. And she left her phone and this very important package at her house and the her father, her adopted father is this extremely wealthy scientist guy and he some for some reason he entrusts this package to Harry and Lloyd that's great to drive it why wouldn't he just if it's that important why wouldn't he just give him a plane ticket or say, go like you can mail things does he know that you could mail things? Well, they they did say that it was too important to mail. He couldn't too, trust it. Too important to mail, but not important enough that you would give it to these two yeah. to yeah. trek yeah. across a vast I mean, there, distance. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's a little more to it than that with the package, but I can't really say anything more without giving giving away some some big reveals that... I know. I don't. I don't want you. Don't feel that big. I don't want you. End. I don't want you ruining the twist of Dumb and Dumber too, because it's. I cannot it, wait to see this one. I mean, you'll probably laugh a few times at least. 
there there are a few moments in it. It feels a lot like the original one, so it looks the same. They use a lot of the same music too that was in the original. Okay. So it does feel the same. It's just kind of sad. It just feels sad <laughs> to see these two men acting like this. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, yeah. I hate when that so, happens. I can't recommend it mostly because I just didn't find it that funny and I found a lot of the story beats to be ludicrous and the only reason that certain things happened is to further the plot along and try to add some more comedic set pieces. Yeah. So on that, I can't recommend it, but I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people that do find this very funny oh, and sure. will probably get a lot of entertainment out of it, but I can't recommend it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I have one that's kind of similar to that. That I have like I'm in in between where I can't really recommend it, but at the same time I don't want to I don't want to just brush it off is you know a terrible film or anything like that. And that's Butter on the Latch, which is the debut from Josephine Decker, which she had two movies come out this weekend, and I didn't get to see the second one. I was going to do reviews for both, but I did reviews for this one, which is up on the site, and it's kind of a free form improvisation type deal mm-hmm. kind of experimental uh some of it works most of it doesn't mm. and it just kind of meanders for entirely too long one of the biggest problems i have with it besides the meandering portions is that during those meandering portions the cinematography is almost exclusively out of focus <laughs> all the time just out of focus which makes sense in you know, they're try- she's trying to convey this sense of the, the main character is having reality and fantasy blurred constantly. She's not really cognizant of what she's in at the moment. So it makes sense in that sense that, you know, it kind of works what they're trying to go for. But at the same time, it's just a bit too much. And just you really lose interest very quickly. And again, there's not much happening, narratively speaking. So you're just kind of like lost in the woods, which is most of the action in this movie. It's just two friends walking about the woods at this Balkan folk song and dance camp. Oh. <laughs> which is, that, is, that, is that like uh, like football camp or basketball camp? Kind of. It's in like the remote part of the woods and they, Balkan folk they get together to do... You know, Balkan folk songs and playing accordions and tambourines and whatnot. But Hmm. it just doesn't really go anywhere. And then, but the only redeeming factor is towards the end of the movie, she starts having like hallucinations and nightmares and stuff. And the way they cut them together and what the hallucinations consist of are very interesting. But it just takes forever to get there. And by that time, you're just like, oh, that's cool. But you're not really invested in the movie you're just like finally and then the movie's over Mm. so but there's like like i said there's like flashes of a good movie in there which made me i wanted to see her sophomore film which came out on the same weekend they're both on vimeo on demand because i wanted to see you know if she progressed a little bit here plus it's got robert longstreet in it but i I just i didn't get to it i had to watch all these other movies (laughs) 
and all these other movies I had to watch. Butter on a Latch is available on Vimeo On Demand, like you said, so you can check that out. The only other one that I wanted to... I'll, I'll mention this very briefly. It's a movie called Always Woodstock. It came out this weekend. Okay. Uh, Good start. I got a, Good start. So my review's up on the site. You can check it out. Uh, I, I The only reason I wanted to mention this is because I, I hated it so much that <laughs> not only is this my most hated movie of the year, I think... And the funny thing about it is it's not because it's poorly made or looks bad or looks low budget or anything like that. It's how painfully generic this movie is. This might be one of the most by-the-numbers romantic comedies I've ever seen in my entire life. And just trying to get through this movie was a chore. And I didn't, I didn't mm. know if I was going to be able to get through it. I was because you you see everything telegraphed from the first five minutes of the movie. It's about this girl who is an aspiring folk singer and she has a, a relationship that's going down the tubes. She works for this big corporate record label who all they care about is the bottom line and they don't care about real talent mm-hmm. and they're all just these white suits and offices and they're mm-hmm. looking to c- create the n- latest celebrity. Mm-hmm. They don't care about the music. They just want to add a beat to everything. Oh man. What? So she ends up getting fired from her job and finds out that her boyfriend is cheating on her. So she breaks up with him and then she ends up moving to Woodstock. It makes sense because her, she grew up there and her parents owned a a house there yeah all right Uh, and so she moves into her family home her parents passed away and she meets the wonderful citizens of woodstock and she falls in love with a doctor who's just fucking perfect (laughs) She, she begins to write songs again she meets all these great people and has these amazing dinners with them. And they see the talent in her. But then, of course, mm-hmm. the, big, no. the big corporation, they hear her demo tape. Oh, God. And they they come a-calling. And oh. she has to decide, do I want to leave this behind and go corporate? Or do I want to stay in my little Woodstock town Oh my and God. love music? Please tell me what happens. You have me on no, the edge of my... You know what happens. <laughs> On the edge of my seat. You know exactly what happens. It's terrible. Just terrible. And there's a lot of music in it, too, because it's all about the music. Mm-hmm. Is the music good? It's awful. <laughs> it is the most generic music you will ever hear. Is it all, like, Jason Mraz style? Eh, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Oh, boy. So, anyway. Always Woodstock. Please avoid this one. I could not stand it. Although I would like you, I kind of would like to have your opinions <laughs> yeah, I'm, on it. I'm sure you would love for me to watch this. I mean, uh, I mean the tagline is let your heart sing. It's, yeah. The, mm. It's supposed to be a comedy, but it's not funny at all. Not even in the slightest bit. It seems like your week was entirely made up of comedies that weren't funny. What I did yesterday, I spent most of the day yesterday watching youtube videos that were making me laugh to make up for it 
yeah. Oh God. That's that's really all I wanted to mention. Did you have any other ones? I, I had one that I wanted to mention because you mentioned this uh, a while back as being right up my alley, and that's the distance by oh, yeah. Sergio Caballero. Mm-hmm. So I watched this bad boy. Um, now, what's it about? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I have no idea. No clue what the hell this movie's about. But god damn it, if it wasn't intriguing and just kept my interest the entire time. Number one, because the cinematography is just outstanding. I mean, every frame can be lifted from this movie and just hung up on your wall. It's just, it's beautiful. And I actually had, like, as I was watching, it was just constantly screen grabbing the entire time. That's all I was doing, like, the entire movie. So what we have is there's a guy that runs a nuclear power plant in Crimea, and he kidnaps an Austrian artist because he's obsessed with paranormal activities and whatnot. So, of course, you kidnap an Austrian artist. That's what you do. Keeps him locked up there. Uh, The guy ends up dying, and the Austrian artist is stuck there. Uh, The Austrian artist has his head covered in dried clay, and he has a pet fox. And he's obsessed with dead rabbits. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So he sends out a letter to three dwarves that speak to each other through uh, telepathically. They actually don't speak in the movie at all. And then they have different actors provide their voices. Mm. So you got that going on. One of the dwarves is obsessed with killing people. And he actually dismembers someone in the movie. Uh, And they are tasked with stealing something from the nuclear place. And they have to... They plan it out, and they're casing the place. They have one week to do it. But the thing is that what they're trying to steal, and they don't know what it is, and either do, does the viewer, but there's a guard that's guarding it for some reason. He still works there. And uh, he has a friend that's a talking smoke bucket okay. that speaks Japanese and talks in mostly haikus, and he is in love with the chimney. So you got that going on, right? This guard can teleport, but he can't control it. So when he's just walking, he'll disappear, and then he'll come back, and then he'll disappear and come back. So you have all of that going on. And honestly, I have no idea what the hell's going on. <laughs> but my God, wasn't it intriguing. And it's just beautiful to look at. Yeah, this it, one... It, it's something else. It is something else. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to check this one out. It's not available... It's only available, I think, on Festival Scope right now. Yeah, and with everything that I just told told you, you know, sort of. You're yeah. What would who's the you're mar- not going to be able to see it anytime <laughs> soon. Who's the market for that? I don't. Th- I don't think the general public is going to get access to that anytime soon. But if you are, if you are in the mood for absurdity of the mysterious, enigmatic kind, this is perfect. And the one one of the dwarfs is able to. To connect to this uh, like telepathic database that's run by some card dealing woman in a low cut top, and what he has to do is he gets out a special chair, he unbuttons his pants, he diddles with his genitalia, and then he oh. sniffs it under his nose, and then boom, oh. he plugs in, plugs in, Plug. he jacks in. <laughs> it's just, it's so ridiculous, but for some goddamn reason, it works. Yeah, I think I'll definitely have to check this it's, out. Sounds like it's right up my alley too. Uh, sounds sounds uh very Gilliam esque. It is. Were it you getting is. a Gilliam vibe? A little bit. 
there's a little bit of a Gillian vibe, but at the it's same time bandit, it's time bandit action. Kind of like, uh, you know, just bits of it. It's really like its own. It's like a very original vision. What's going on here? Or unless I just haven't seen enough that I'm not catching up on influences and stuff. But I really haven't seen... There's nothing that I can really compare it to. Which I just love when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good when that happens. I like The, the plot synopsis on IMDb is a robbery, a robbery takes place. <laughs> which is... It's true. <laughs> a robbery does take place. Oh, God. <laughs> a robbery takes place. <laughs> Classic IMDb synopsis. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, do you want to hop into our first review? Let's. Yeah. What's our first one going to be? Uh, we'll do Bad Turn Worse. Okay. So let's do the this... one with the, the terrible title. Yes. And did you see what the fo- the former title was called? Uh, what was the former title called? We, uh, we got to get out we of need... this place? Or yeah, we, we got to get, get out of this Something like that. Yeah. Also, not very good title. No. Not but sure I, what that's all about. I did recognize that title, though. I remember that from when it was playing festivals. Mm-hmm. Bad yeah, from worse, I heard nothing about, though. This played TIFF in 2013, so it wasn't this year's, last year's TIFF. Uh, I have a synopsis here. Three Texas teens hope to make a break for it and escape their dead-end existence in a cotton mill town but get sucked into the seedy underbelly of organized crime when one of them steals from the wrong man this is directed by simon and zeke hawkins this is a directorial debut from them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it stars uh jeremy allen white logan huffman and Mackenzie davis uh i uh, Okay, you you reviewed the Homesmen, so we'll start with you on this one, Kevin. What did you think of Bad Turn Worse? Uh, despite its terrible title, it's it's a decent debut. I would mm-hmm. go as far to say it's not it's not entirely original by any stretch, but the execution of it showed some promise enough that you know I I will watch more from the Hawkins brothers. I agree. I'm guessing they're brothers. Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, but, like, the storyline, uh, some of the dialogue, a lot of it just didn't really work for me at all. It's just, it feels like I've seen this movie numerous times before. Yeah. I would say that most of it worked for me. There were there were a few things here and there that didn't necessarily work for me, but I thought that it was a, a competently made and entertaining crime thriller. This is, I've seen this referred to as poverty porn. When I was reading over some reviews for this, that, that was, uh, I read that term a couple times and I got to thinking like. What does that term mean? Poverty porn. I don't, I've never understood the term. You got to label it, man. You got to label things. You always got to come up with labels, man. It's so much easier to just slap a label on something instead of I guess that. I guess Explain. that's how people are referring to these types of movies. There's this, and there's uh, like Joe and Hellion, and all of these other movies that we've seen kind of a trend recently. There's been a lot of movies that have this aesthetic. I would I, even I call knew, the Homesman poverty porn. <laughs> but what I don't understand, like these places exist, so why do they get labeled with poverty porn? 
when you're just depicting like small town rural areas areas yeah, and it's not, it's not like, like it's not like movies haven't had that backdrop for decades yeah you know? like do do we have a derogatory label for like new york films i don't think so no like it was so why for rural areas are we like oh it's poverty porn i don't know i don't, I don't get that at all i don't understand it a, i don't know who came up with that label i just i don't know if it's been thrown around on websites recently or not (laughs) but i read two separate and maybe one review grabbed it from the other but i read two separate reviews that use that term but that's what i mean like what so we can't set movies in rural america like small town no dude we're not allowed it's because it's just poverty porn man (laughs) it's it's people getting off on the misfortune of others i guess i i love (laughs) movies that I love movies that have this type of backdrop because it feels more real to me. I just, I like movies that have this tone. And that's what I'm wanting. Like, is it it because we come from, like, small town? Does that help us? Maybe. To, like, I guess, connect with it or relate? I don't know. Well, I think for most people, I mean, most people in this country don't live in New York and L.A. I mean, there's... Yeah, but critics Giant do. swaths of the country that are rural. But the label-making critics do. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's what it is. So, basically what happens in this movie is you got three friends, and one of them is a complete freaking idiot moron, redneck. Plus a dick. And he's a it's total a dick, dick too. Like That was my first thought. Is like, why the fuck are these people friends? Yeah. They have I mean, nothing in common with this BJ kid. Yeah, talk about a toxic relationship. So this BJ kid, played by Logan Huffman, steals money from his employer, but turns out his employers, I don't even know what they do, really. It's, it's a cotton mill. They work Is that co- what? Yeah, they work at a cotton mill. Okay, I thought... Because, yeah, cotton we, don't, was... we don't have college boys in this family. We only have cotton mill workers. Cotton boys. Was the... Okay, so, but there was another area there was another factory area is it was it the same place that they work where they had to go steal the money from the guy Mm -hmm. yeah that was the same place it was the same i guess just a different area of the okay of the compound or whatever you want yeah it wasn't that that was something that i wasn't clear on but anyway so they work at this cotton mill but there's some shady things going on in this in this cotton mill got some organized crime going on there, there's something that happens early on in the movie. I was genu- genuinely shocked when it happened uh, with the one of the workers. What, what he does to one of the yeah, workers. That, yeah, that threw me because I didn't yeah, expect that to uh, happen. Bobby, who's played by Jeremy Allen White from Shameless, mm-hmm. right? He's on Shameless. Yeah, that he is, plays Lip. In yeah, Shameless. it immediately had me hooked when he popped up on screen. I like, I like him. him a lot. Yeah, so. Yeah, he, you know, employees getting beat because they think that he stole the money. He tries to sort of save the day by announcing that he took the money, and man, does it backfire on him. Yeah, <laughs> in yes, the it worst, does. In the worst way possible. Yes, it backfires. Um, Mackenzie Davis is the the girl in, in this trio, and she, she uh, is in Halt and Catch Fire on AMC. Okay. And she's really good in that show. And she was good in this as well. 
Yeah, it's just a bit too reliant upon quoting Jim Thompson all the time and how they would talk about, you know, narratives and plots and stuff. And Yeah. And then it sort of seems to get sort of sidetracked by its own, like, trying to make it as twisty as possible. But it never felt twisty. You know what I mean? The, no. Like, the plot, the actual, like, them planning out the job and what they have to do and who's double-crossing who... And it just seems like all of them are entirely confused as to what they're trying to do here. Well, yeah. Which was kind of interesting. Instead of everyone being, you know, these masterminds. Clearly, these are amateurs. Yes. And they're kids. Yes. It just, they're they're a lot supposed of it, to be like 18 years old. Yeah, yeah, which is that whole subplot with the two of them, Bobby and Sue, going off to college and BJ's character being... Stuck in the town. Yeah, and being very upset with them, you know, and he has all this resentment built up towards them. And just the incessant need to, like, put down college and education, I thought was kind of weird. Didn't really work for me. Seemed like a bit too much. It was a bit too heavy-handed at times. How they just kept forcing that into the dialogue. Well, I think that was just the character. I mean, they he saw them going off, getting out of this one horse town and getting an education and moving on. And I know he was, it, he, he was kind of trapped there. So naturally he would lash out against. Yeah. But the, then you also had you know, a bunch of dialogue from gifts character. He's the one that forces him to do this job. It was the employer that he stole from. And, mm-hmm. and then when like when uh, Bobby's character goes home and then you have that little exchange with his mother and how she's, you know, saying that we don't have college boys. We have cotton boys. One one thing that I will say about Mark Pellegrino's character of GIF, th- there's a lot of movies that have this this kind of uh, this kind of aesthetic where you're in the in the coal mine towns or whatever it is, and you always have one or two characters that seem entirely too intelligent for the role that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was GIF. Like his his dialogue. He, he just seemed way too smart to be this character. But he's street smart, which I works, guess that's what it is. works perfectly for organized crime. And he was great, too. I mean, he's a pretty big character actor. He's in all kinds of stuff. See, to me, it was Mackenzie Davis's character seemed entirely too intelligent to, one, be friends with any of these people and get <laughs> caught up in what they're doing. Well, especially because she was dating... And it's like, what? How did that happen? Uh, (laughs) What was the attraction there? I guess that's the because he the limitations of small town. He had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. No, he was a terrible person, (laughs) just outright terrible. And I just love how this movie starts with him stealing way too much money. I mean, yeah, for what they do, like they, they're his idea is that let's go to Corpus Christi and live it up one last time. Yeah, do you need $20,000 to do it? It's Corpus Christi. Do you need that much money? And just yep. and I, the way that they buy into it, like, wh- where does this guy get? Because he says, well, you know, can, I have been, sa- I've been saving. Yeah, like, he said he saved it up. <laughs> he saved up twenty <laughs> grand. Which Bobby's character should know right off the bat, like, okay, we work at the same place. Right. You've we make sa- the same amount of money, probably. <laughs> I'm nowhere close to twenty grand. There's no way that you got this money legitimately, but what it's you know 
they buy into it and then it gets all twisty and people that's it double crossing double crossing double crossing going triple on. crossing i mean there the thing that kept me interested throughout was uh the hawkins brothers had i thought they did a fantastic job with the very the long drawn out intense sequences like where he gif has um bobby's character and oh yeah with and then sue shows up and how all that plays out because that was that was unsettling T- very tense moment yeah I was, that was really tense uh the little section of when bj is at sue's house and he's you know going through the books and i mean my goodness that was kind of tense mm-hmm. and then the whole when they finally get to the job at hand the midnight where they gotta steal the two bags of money just the way that that played out i thought was fantastic especially yeah. when they discover right <laughs> When they go in the office. Yeah, and, and it's, yeah. you know, as soon as they walk in, they realize that the monitors are off. You're like, why are you still doing this? You, yeah. you know something's fishy. Come on. Well, they do try to get out of there as soon as they see that. They, they try to abort, but things don't things don't happen. Like it, they, it, like they you, say. One could say it goes from bad to worse. Oh, it's like a, oh, it's a bad turn worse. What? It is a bad turn worse scenario. Man. And I will say that 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 does happen. Things start out pretty bad, and they get w- much worse. That's true. It is. Uh, the title doesn't lie. I will give them that. It's still a terrible title, though. It, I agree. It, it is. It's not a very good title, but visually, I like the movie quite a bit. I thought that they the lighting was really good in this movie. I liked all, pretty much all of the lighting choices. Uh, I liked the sequence where they were going over the plan and they did that yes, kind of... Yes, I enjoyed that as well. Uh, you know, whatever whatever that was. <clears throat> yeah, BJ is sort of doing the, cutaway. the voiceover as mm-hmm. Bobby and Sue are acting it out. And we see that a lot in heist movies, but I thought that when they did it in this, it, it was really good. I liked it. Plus the fact that BJ's uh, plan is so terrible. Right. And and also that, that sequence was shot on POV, which I liked a lot. Uh, a lot of times I don't necessarily like POV shots, but... It did work there. It worked really well in, in this case. So, yeah, I think uh, it was a solid movie. I don't think that it's amazing or anything like that. We do have a review up on the site. Uh, Blake reviewed this. I believe he <laughs> gave it a seven and a half. I want to say what he gave it a seven. You gave it a seven. Now I did. So the other thing I found, I just, before I forget, because I always forget the, the exchange between Bobby and the sheriff was excruciating. Oh yeah. Where he's trying to delicately the, tell him that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to talk to me. Man, was that drawn out? Yeah. Uncle Rico. That was uncle Rico. From That's correct. <laughs> Napoleon dynamite. <laughs> Oh, we uh poverty porn poverty porn there you have it bad turn worse <laughs> i will score bad turn worse a hmm. uh, i'm 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 kind of sitting between a six and a half and a seven i'll say six and a half on bad turn worse okay i'm sitting at six there you have it that's playing on demand right now so check it out i still recommend it it's just not it didn't elevate no. the genre or anything. No. It was it was competently made. It was entertaining. <clears throat> it was it was a good movie, but it just didn't wow me. You know, no. it's probably one that I'll 
forget about. Yeah, but there's some, the there's dude. enough there's enough uh, flashes in there. Yeah, that sold me on the Hawkins brothers. That right, you and know, I'm gonna say, have to check it, out the next one. Yeah, solid debut for sure. So, all right, let's move on to our next review, The Homesman. This is directed by Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy, well, Tommy Lee Jones. I have a synopsis here. Three women who have been driven mad by pioneer life are to be transported across the country by a covered wagon by the pious, independently-minded Mary B. Cuddy, who in turn employs low-life drifter George Big Briggs to assist her. This stars Tommy Lee Jones, Hilary Swank, and a myriad of other people. There's a lot of people in this movie that pop up out of nowhere. Yes, yes, there is. Now, you have a review for this up on the site, so I'll start it off. I will say this. Uh, Prairie Life looks horrible. And this movie, within the first 15 minutes, I was just like, oh my god. Why mm-hmm. would anyone want to live that life? <laughs> because it is horrific. Yeah. I mean, just the, like, seriously, like the first 15 minutes of the movie, you're just like, oh my god. Why is why is why is this happening? People signed up for this. The there's a scene that happens at the beginning of the movie. I think it's probably within the first fifteen or twenty minutes, uh, involving. I, I probably don't want to say exactly what it is, but it's involving one of the three women that goes crazy in an outhouse. And that scene, I was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. jaw to the floor when that happened. Yeah. The- yeah, there's some really disturbing imagery sprinkled yes. in throughout the beginning of this movie. Now, I will say I, l- I did like the movie, just to just to give my initial thoughts here. I liked the movie. I thought that it was a little bit bloated. I think it had some unnecessary bloat in it. And I think that it there was an ending that should have happened, and then there was the actual ending. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was about five <clears throat> or ten minutes that happened unnecessarily at the end yes it was, it was like there's like a false ending and then Con- what continues then the actual ending and i just didn't think it was necessary no and i the- think if they if they chopped off that last 10 minutes i think it would have felt a lot tighter yeah because that was the biggest problem i have with this movie speaking of the ending that should have been which just came out of nowhere like just a straight punch to the gut and then, but it keeps continuing after that. And not only that, it feels entirely rushed. Where they just right. well, just I, I try think... and cram through as much action as possible, and right. you're just kind of like, you know, the 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 narrative twist that happens kind of devastates you. And it seems like it devastated the movie as well because it just didn't know what to do anymore. And right. So essentially, really, there's three endings that happen in this movie there's the big twist that happens and then there's more after that and then there's even more after that Mm -hmm. and the big twist that happens completely shocked me i had i mean i couldn't believe that yeah that was was like what that was handled very well i thought because i was not expecting that at all well the the way that they kind of underplayed that when it happened, I think really aided to the impact. If that makes any sense, 
whatsoever. They didn't make a big deal about it when it happened. Mm -hmm. And I think that somehow that actually made it more impactful. Which is, this is, I scored this an eight. Now, the storyline that's contained within the Holmesman is just, it is bare bones, straightforward. It's not that interesting, really. There's not a lot done with it. It's all pretty surface level stuff here. But just the way everything is executed was what really had me enthralled. Yeah. Especially that out of nowhere gut punch. Uh, just everything up until that point, I thought everyone was just on top of their game. The editing, the music, the cinematography, everything was fantastic. And then it just all, when that gut punch happens, everything just comes unraveled and just, it's unfortunate because for much of it, you're taking a film that is really kind of generic and just elevating it with everyone bringing their a game. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of falls apart at the end. Yeah. Which hurt. It hurt. I completely agree. And I think that there are a lot of great performances in this movie. I mean, this is a very performance driven movie just because like you said, it's a very slight film. I mean, much of it is just uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Hilary Swank just traveling with these uh, three women yeah who are who are completely got a, insane they've got a bad case of the prairie madness yeah which is an actual thing it was called prairie madness well they definitely got the prairie madness that's how terrible it was to be out there i think that it was interesting that all three of them seemed to get it at the same time and i know that they said that it was because of the harsh winter and all of that but it seemed like a Kind of weird coincidence, wouldn't you say? Well, the other thing that kind of points out, which is this is the what I thought was kind of interesting because they don't really focus on it too much. It's just kind of there, is the fact that like Hillary Swank is really the only person that's thriving in this community. Really, she just has everything together. She is. Yeah, just, she's, she's got land. She's got money. She's tearing it up. She's getting canned peaches. She's going to be ordering a melodian soon. Right, I mean, yeah. she is raking it in. The only problem is she can't get a man. Like, no one wants to marry her because everyone thinks she's just plain and bossy. Mm -hmm. So the interesting thing is is that she's thriving manless. And the three of them go crazy because, let's be honest, their husbands are fucking terrible. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that that was a nice little added touch that they didn't really, you know, they just kind of present it vaguely without really getting into it. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. And that... Hillary Swank's character is desperately trying to get a man, almost she's in like a to... transactional way. She's looking at it like a business partner type deal, and she ends up having to settle for Tommy Lee Jones's character, which that's rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It seems like she's just basically trying to marry a- any man that she can. And I don't know if uh, they don't really. She doesn't really get into the the why, um, but I. Would imagine child rearing has something to do with it. She probably wanted a child, but she was probably lonely too. Well, yeah, I think that's the biggest biggest thing facing these people is the isolation out there, which I yeah, thought was fantastic. It's just nothing. It's just yeah, miles oh, of nothing. Yeah, just dirt, just dirt. Which I did. I the the scenes where they sort of when they're interspersing the. The women going crazy mixed with Hillary Swank's character. When they would show them like out in the fields, the way that they shot that, it just made it look like they were living in a void. 
Like they weren't yeah. even in real life. There was just yeah. nothing around. And it was just it's so eerie and bizarre and unsettling. It's very easy to see why they went insane. Yeah. Especially when you have husbands abusing you during so all that. Yeah, I mean some some of the most nonchalant sex I've ever seen in a movie since the angry hand job in The Master. <laughs> Like uh, the the sex in this movie, they made it look like no one was enjoying it. Yeah, no. all parties involved were not enjoying what was <laughs> happening. Especially the the moment where <laughs> the Hillary Swank propositions Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah, with her, with her body and just the fact that Tommy Lee Jones, you know, she goes through this whole spiel of selling herself, and he just goes, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> I also loved how brutally honest everyone was in this movie. They were just like, "No, you're you're pretty plain, you're pretty homely, and you're very bossy. I don't want anything to do with you." Yeah, <laughs> like uh, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, I'm sure. It, I had I'm sure it hurt. I'm sure it did hurt. Uh, I will say that I don't know because you mentioned the score. I don't know if I chimed in on that, but I thought that the score was amazing. I just lo- I loved how he would morph it. Like, yeah. how it would be the grandiose sweeping strings for her, and then it would sort of morph into just, like, noise for the insanity. And then, mm-hmm. like, how he, the one where she picks up the last woman before they start their trek and their kids are singing, and then how it sort of mutates into her wailing, that awful, awful noise. Oh, God. <laughs> the, the scene where she just wouldn't stop wailing. <sighs> I mean, I was ready to... I was ready to yeah, it, her. <laughs> I was ready to toss her down the the freaking toilet hole. <laughs> oh God. So for me, I was really surprised at how much I like this, and it's mostly just execution wise. Like for me, there's not much going on story. No, it's not that interesting. It's not captivating, but it's kind of just. A- the way they present it, man, they nailed it. It's kind of a bizarre little film when you think about it. Just it is how the people act. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones' character is weird in his own little world that he's in, and everybody just kind of acted strange. Mm-hmm. Prairie madness. I think they all had it. <laughs> I think really. so. I think they all had certain degrees of prairie madness. Uh, John Lithgow's in this. He is. Lith- Great. Lithgow's I, I, popping up everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I think he he did a pretty awesome job as the preacher. <laughs> William Fickner, he was solid too. I don't know if they keep... I don't know what, what's up with this movie as far as the cameos, if they're trying to keep some of them under wraps. I don't know if we should say all of the cameos. Well, I mean, Tim Blake Nelson's in there. That's one. Yeah, and he's, he's great and... But I mean, it's to be expected. If you if you're talking about a western and Tim Blake Nelson's not in it, it's you have not, a problem. Yeah, it's not a western. <laughs> you have a problem there. But yes, yeah, he he has that shit on lock. But see, yes, and that was another thing that made the ending a little bit worse. The fact you know, not only does it kind of unravel and it feels very hurried and rushed, but then you throw in the cameos in there, which just makes everything worse. Because it felt like just an excuse to have these right. people pop up. Like why? Like why was this person 
yeah, in this like, movie what for, did they, for one scene. What did they really add to it? Yeah. <clears throat> it just it's all, not like they had to do much. No, it just all kind of felt false at the end there. I agree. Yeah. Felt tacked on. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. I think another one that we, it's probably safe to say is James Spader. He played kind of a douche. And uh, I, loved what, I loved that whole thing that his, happened there. His comeuppance? Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. That was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, there was more action in this than I expected. I, I guess just from the trailer, I kind of thought it was going to be in nothing. Like just a, a character piece and more focused on the crazy women and, and trying to deal with them while making this perilous journey. And there was more, I mean, there were a couple shootouts in this and you yeah, know, there's some, yeah, it was, it was, I, it's completely different than what I thought it was going in. Just like yeah. you. That's what I thought. I thought it was going to be a very drab drama uh, period piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. I love the, when they introduced Tommy Lee Jones, how they did that with the, they dropped the, dynamite or whatever that was down the chimney and just the way that that looked when the house blew up was yeah. awesome and it's, thought that was really good solid movie solid. overall yeah solid movie i don't know if it's going to get any kind of awards consideration i think that they were shooting for that yeah but, but I, i'm yeah i don't think that's gonna happen no i don't either i think it's just too i think it's too weird honestly could be could be it's not so academy safe. So you gave the homesman eight out of ten. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half out of ten. Now, how badly did you want to play Oregon Trail while watching <laughs> this movie? I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I didn't think about it several times while watching it. I actually had to pause this movie so my wife could look up Oregon Trail to see how much it is and to see if you could play it on the newer versions of Windows. Yeah, I think that's just with our generation. I mean, anytime you see stuff, movies like this in the prairie, we just yeah. If there's a covered wagon, I immediately think you trail. just think of Oregon Trail. It's just so ingrained exactly in our minds. Uh, I think Oregon Trail is probably more fun than this. Although I don't know, uh, there's a lot of dysentery in Oregon Trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, not, not, this, not a whole this movie was replaced with diphtheria. Diphtheria. So I'm yeah. not sure which is worse. I, although I do wish in Oregon Trail there was prairie madness. <laughs> Kevin died of prairie madness. <laughs> uh, that would be fantastic. There you, there you have it. The Homesman playing in select cities now. Mm, guess light recommend if you check if it. You're, if you're a strong fan of westerns and you really like performances in your movies, then then check this out because I think that there's a lot of really great uh, performances by everyone involved. Definitely. All right, let's go ahead and talk about our November guilty pleasures. So if you are unfamiliar with this segment, every month we pick one movie that, for whatever reason, we enjoy. And most of the time, I think that these movies would be not well received critically. Yeah. But. Or they... like, the, the way I look at it is they're films to me that are, they're bad. They're bad films. Right. But, but I for, love them anyways. I have right. so much fun with them. For personal reasons, we love them. Uh, did you want to kick it off this month? I guess I, I can kick who... it off because I think this is 
one of yours as well. Because, like, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm never guilty for liking anything. I don't feel guilty for liking well, a movie. It's, it's Stupid. But whatever. Mine, well, if you want to change the name, then you I don't know what the, the hell to change it to, honestly. Because the only thing that I can come up with is extremely long-winded. They're movies that aren't good, but I like them anyways, and I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that'll be the name of the segment next month. Uh, But mine is Larry Cohen's Q. Oh, okay. Because let's be honest, this movie's stupid. It's a stupid movie. It's not good. relatively new watch for you. Yeah, but my God, it's fun. It's so damn fun. And it's mostly just because of Michael Moriarty. Because if you take Moriarty out of this movie... This is a steaming pot. Nothing. It's garbage. This is, this is it's terrible. Because it, it barely makes any sense. Mostly because Moriarty's in it. They try and bring <laughs> those two storylines together. And it's just weird. But, I mean, the stop motion animation, claymation, whatever it is, is just awful. I think it was bad, probably bad even for yeah, it, when this came out. Oh, man. It just sticks out. This story. That, uh, did Ray Harryhausen do that? I should look that up. I have a feeling that it's probably someone ripping him off. And that's why it looks as bad as it does. And I'm going to feel bad if it was him. Well, you you talk, continue and I'll look at it. <laughs> but, I mean, this movie is just all over the place. Doesn't make a lick of sense. But for whatever reason, it is just beyond entertaining. And again, it's Moriarty. I don't know what the hell he's doing in this movie. But he brings this like ridiculous, serious portrayal of like a small-time criminal just never catching a break while there's a giant fucking lizard flying around New York. Or, and it's not New York. Where is it? Chicago? I thought it was New York. Oh, I forget. Is it New York? I'm pretty sure it's New York. What, it doesn't. Yeah, because the, yeah, yeah, cause Mondo yes. came out with that really awesome poster that... Uh, it's a it's a photograph of a black and white photograph of a New York subway. And instead of saying "I heart New York," it was like "I" and then the "Cue the Wing Serpent" logo, New York. Okay, so yeah, New York. It's just there's like two films going on here. One is ridiculously batshit insane with David Carradine doing whatever the hell he's doing. I don't even know what he's doing in this movie. And then you have this gritty little crime drama with a small-time petty criminal jimmy quinn who keeps getting handed revolvers why is everyone handing me revolvers and then he just stumbles upon q's nest and he uses it to his advantage and it's just oh my goodness this movie i don't know what it is but it is ridiculously stupid but so much fun yeah i agree i it just makes me laugh. Moriarty <laughs> yeah, you, is just insane. If you haven't seen Cue the Winged Serpent, definitely. And plus, like, towards the end, when he's, you know, using the nest or whatever to his advantage, he just becomes increasingly insane, <laughs> which makes it even better. Because, I mean, he's, he's off his rocker a little bit to begin with, and then he just dives headfirst into a sanity. And then he's like... You know, towards the beginning of the movie, he's tickling ivories and bebopping and scatting for no fucking reason. <laughs> this movie is a goddamn mess. <sighs> it is. I agree. It's a, it's a good kind of mess, I think. 
And then there's people like getting skinned. Like there's all that disturbing imagery going on here. Mm -hmm. It's just so many things and none of it comes together. But in a weird way, it does. I'm just so I'm baffled by Q. Now, this does have a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, but you know that's everyone just... New. It's probably new. It's just people... Yeah, people liking it because it's insane. It's not because people are like, oh, this is this is executed perfectly. The cinematography is amazing. The performances. Oh, my goodness. David Carradine. It's well, not based on any of that. It's based on insanity. Yeah. Well, my movie is... Rocking 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. And people don't seem to like this, even in an ironic sort of way. And that's 2001's Not Another Teen Movie. No, now, I've I can't... never seen this. Really? I, wait, I thought for sure wait. that we would have. you would have seen that with us. Wait, maybe I did see this one. It's the one with Chris Evans. Okay, yes. I think it was probably the first time I've ever seen Chris Evans... Yes, okay, I do remember In a movie. And I can't... It's directed by Joel Gallen, and I can't really say why I like this movie so much, because I'm not a huge fan of the goof-spoof comedies. But for some reason, this one just really works for me. I think that it's a lot smarter than what people expect it to be. When you see... A poster for a movie like this you think that it's just going to be another uh what were the what are the guys that do all those epic movie and date movie and all oh, those what are those guys names that's the same two dudes and they do all of them they were the worst setzer the one guy's name's setzer i think seltzer and seltzer friedberg. and seltzer and friedberg yeah uh, you, on first glance you think that this is another seltzer and friedberg joint but this is much smarter than those movies. Rather than just kind of throwing in random pop culture references, this movie almost exclusively references other mo- other teen movies. And I think that that's what makes it work better than those other ones. I mean, some of the references are so obscure in this movie that you're just like, oh my God. And I would love to see a list of all of the references because I guarantee there's probably hundreds and it's just to this day it still makes me laugh i don't know why <laughs> i'm not typically into this kind of like lowbrow humor but i just think it works and i find it to be i think that it sets out to do something and succeeds at it <laughs> i think it succeeds at being a solid uh turn your brain off type of goof spoof is this the one where sam levine is the the wannabe asian is that yes. this movie okay yes, it is okay. it is okay i don't yeah, remember make, much from this one they make fun of varsity blues they make fun of this is the one uh can't hardly wait i think that was the sam levine joke they make fun of a lot of the older john hughes movies just everything they make fun of it everything and i think that it's all pretty damn funny because didn't the seltzer movies start or the seltzer friedberg movies didn't they sort of start after this Mm-hmm. yeah they started after this because seltzer and friedberg i think were the ones that took over scary movie after the wayans stopped yeah. so uh, when did when did scary movie because this came out right around that time 
the first scary movie was in 2000. Scary Movie 2 was in 2001, and then this was also in 2001. So Seltzer and Freeberg didn't get started until after this. Yeah. And see... But, I mean, there's a world of difference, though. I when think... See... I th- and I think what the difference is, is your movie, there are characters that, you know, they're referencing other movies and everything, but they actually live in a world where they're interacting with each other and it actually makes sense and there's a storyline right. where... The date movie and epic movie is just a bunch of shit thrown together. Right. It's just like throw everything just, to the wall. It's, right. It's goofy cutaways and, and half of the things don't pertain to what's going on in the actual plot of the movie. And then like which is always very thin. Yeah. And then much like you said with uh, Dumb and Dumber Two, they just throw in all those just like a slew of pop pop culture references of the yeah. time. Exactly, and that none of that works. But in this movie, I would liken this movie to Scary Movie 1 and 2, where when you look at Scary Movie 1 and 2, they're making fun of tropes in the horror genre, whereas this movie is making fun of tropes in the teen movie genre. Yeah. So they take scenes from other teen movies, and they twist them and make fun of them, but they do it within the context of this movie the plot that's happening within this movie and i think that it's just i think a lot of it is very clever and i think that it's very funny there you go that was i am surprised by that pick you caught me off guard man i wanted yeah i wanted to go with a comedy just because of dumb and dumber 2 coming out this week and i have a long list of (laughs) movies that i like that are not very well regarded (laughs) A very long list. I'm looking forward to all of them. Some of them probably would land on your list too, but we'll we'll get to them. Right. When we get there. We'll so, see. not another teen movie. I recommend checking it out. Hmm. How about that? All right, let's go ahead and go over some predictions. Last week we said Dumb and Dumber two. You said forty two. I said forty six. Actual twenty seven. Eesh. Hmm. Not not too good. Foxcatcher. You said 82, I said 86, actual 84. Mm. It's one of the rare ties. Uh, I would recommend reading Armin White's review of Foxcatcher. You'll get some enjoyment out of that. I, Why is that? Just because it's Armin White. <laughs> I want to see the movie and then reread his review just to see if if I agree with him or not. <laughs> But his his reviews are always entertaining. He said it's the worst movie of the year. So I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it's not always Woodstock. I'm sure he didn't see always Woodstock, but maybe he needs to. Might be rethinking that. Uh, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. You said four. I said nine. Actual ten. <laughs> That's entirely too high. I think it is too high. I, I, that doesn't seem like a movie that should make it past single digits. And the, when we talked about that, I didn't, I didn't see the poster. <laughs> oh yeah. And then I saw the poster, and wow. Yep. Wide release. That got a wide release. That's, Can you believe that? That pisses me off so much. How does that even happen? How does a movie like that get a wide release? I don't. I just don't understand. Because. Because. I can't wrap my head around that. Keep trying. Did you see the trailer? This is completely off topic, but it's what we do saw, best. Yeah, when you saw Interstellar or, or 
whatever movie you saw last, did you see the trailer for that the new Chris Rock movie? Um, what was it called? Oh, is it Open Five? Top, top Five. Top Five. Did you see the trailer for that? I did, but I forget looks, what it was for. But it does look it looks pretty good. Really funny. It does look good. Cedric the Entertainer looks that that scene at the very end of the trailer when he when he talks about stealing the hangers. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I'm actually looking forward to that one. It's written and directed by Chris Rock. The other one I don't did. know why I don't know why I just thought of that, but Yeah, that's weird. But that does look good. And another one that I saw because you just reminded me of trailers was the new Michael Mann. Oh, looks, uh, looks Black sli- Hat? Yeah, it looks slightly promising. The problem I have with Michael Mann movies is the fact that he shoots on digital, but it, the way that it looks, it looks so crappy to me. I don't know if you caught that from the trailer, but it does. It, yeah, it looks like shit, and and that's what uh, Public Enemies he shot that on digital too. But I don't know what kind of like if he shoots it on thirty frames per second or forty eight or something, but. It doesn't look like a normal no, it doesn't digital uh, um, camera. Nope. So it, I don't. It looks know interesting what... though. I have a yeah, feeling it, I'm going to be completely disappointed. But uh, well, I'm hoping that it is more political intrigue and less action. Well, that was the thing that kind of worried me. That all of a sudden, there's machine guns and everyone's shooting. I'm like, whoa! Yeah. The hell, this escalated quickly, and it's a trailer. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's more like uh, what was the other one he did? The Insider is that is that what it was? Sure, the one with Russell Crowe. I think I think that's what you're thinking of, but I could be. Yeah, I think I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not up on Michael Mann. Not a big man man fan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Mann fan. Yeah, the, the Insider. Yeah, yeah, I hope it's more like that and less like uh, Public Enemies. Uh, okay, anyway, next week we have a big one. Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 1. God. Now, critics critics have been enjoying these movies. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't even make it through the second one. Well, I, I find it odd that you, couldn't make, you, that you saw the first one and could get through that, but you couldn't get through the second well, one. Well, I think... That, I, I thought that the second one was actually better. The first one, I was in a movie theater. So I was kind of stuck. You couldn't, you couldn't escape. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't leave. The second one, I was at home, and I had the ability to just be like, oh, fuck this. I have other things I can do. Like, I'd, I would rather, like, iron my shirts than finish that movie. Uh, I have no desire to see this one, but I may feel obligated to just to finish finish the series. I don't like that they split it into two movies. That's, but we've talked about that before. Yeah, that's why I tapped out. Because they're just milking that shit. I hate that. It's not that interesting to begin with. I agree, yeah. I'll say 68 on the Hunger Games. I don't know. It's just a... 74 for me. I think you're probably going to win that one. Uh, that's the only big release coming out next week. In limited release, we have Extraterrestrial, which I don't recommend. VH, VHS Viral, which I don't oh, recommend. Lord have mercy. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which I do recommend, even though I haven't seen it. I. It looks well, awesome. It looks amazing. I can't wait. So, uh, The Mule, which I do recommend. Late Phases, which I will be seeing next weekend. That's the Adrian Garcia... Bogliano 
film. We interviewed him a while back. Okay. A it's a werewolf movie, but it looks in it looks like kind of a different take on the werewolf movie. And it's got a great poster. I don't know if you saw the poster for that. I didn't see, oh yes, that is a nice poster. And Little Hope Was Arson, which Little is what? a documentary. It's called Little Hope Was Arson. Oh, okay. It's about a series of churches that got burnt down in uh, was it Texas? I can't remember where. It's a, a documentary. We have a review for that up on the site. I think Ernie reviewed that, but yeah, it looks good. Um, next week on Video On Demand, uh, hold on, let me pull the list up. Is a, is a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night coming out on on VOD? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not on our it's not on our calendar, but I could be wrong about that. I just love how we're not certain on anything. Well, with VOD, it's just it's so random and it is and tough. You, I mean, because, most I mean, of the time you don't know until the day. Well, there's oh. there's even times where I'll get emails from publicists saying that a movie's going to be out on VOD or whatever, and then it doesn't happen. So sometimes I'm even wrong on that because there have been multiple times the on our vod calendar on the site i only put up um releases on there when i've confirmed them with with the publicists and even then we get them wrong sometimes but anyway next week we have reach me the humbling that's the one with al pacino that that doesn't look very good the sleepwalker happy valley happy valley is the Penn State one, you interested in that? Not really. All Relative, The Mule, and that's it. Also on Tuesday, Hotline comes out, which is a documentary about hotlines. We interviewed the director of that one. I remember that one. Yeah, finally coming out. Finally coming out. How about that? Yeah, it looks it looks like it turned out really good. So I'll be interested in checking that one out. Oh boy. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have 22 Jump Street. I recommend that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so it goes. I'm not sure what that one is. I can't remember. Automata. That's the one with uh, what's his name? Antonio Banderas and Melanie Griffiths. It's in that. I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah. Into the storm. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeesh. If I stay. Ragnarok. <laughs> I don't know why, but that word makes me laugh. I love time. saying it. I Every love time. saying it, and I, and I love the fact that the new Thor is called Thor Ragnarok. Which you knew Sin at City some point they would, they would use that as one of their subtitles yeah. for Thor. Well, it's a, it is actually a storyline in the comic books. There you go. That it, that's a, that's like one of the arcs in the that's, comic. That's, anyway. that's why I said it. Mm. Sin City of Dame to Kill 4 and The Wind Rises. Finally. Yeah, it's because I mean the other one, the the other Ghibli one's out now. I know the Princess and it, Kaguya, and I feel left out because it seems like everyone's seen it, and I haven't, and I don't like when that happens. <laughs> I think that that sounded like the most whiny thing you've ever said on this show. Everyone's seen it, and I haven't. <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh, I try and liven it up a little bit, mix it up. Any criterions or any other ones that I missed? Oh boy, there's one. 1934. Frank Capra. It happened one night. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard of this movie. It's got Clark Gable in it though. Apparently, it swept 
the shit out of the Oscars, Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Director, Screenplay, won everything. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of doesn't look that interesting. But who knows? Who knows? Could be worth a look. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for the day. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For FilmPulse.net, my name is Adam. Uh, my name is Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Heating up chicken nuggets in the microwave and...